morning again, guys. Thanks for coming to church this morning. If I haven't met you, my name's Mitchell. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch, and I would love to say what's up to you after the service. If I haven't met you yet, right at the Connect booth, so stop by. Um, before I get into the message, just want to um, repeat what uh, Maggie said earlier if you were in the service, but this Tuesday, we're going to do a little day of prayer and fasting, and we invite you guys, church body, into that. Everyone's favorite thing, fasting, you know, when you don't eat food and you're really hungry, and instead you pray. Everyone's favorite. So we'd like to do that once, well, we choose to do that once a month and um, because we believe that God listens to and answers our prayer, and there's no, we don't have to add fasting in there, but there's just something about it where Jesus taught it, and he said, hey, my disciples will fast. They will be so desperate for me and for my kingdom to come that they're going to cry out to me in prayer. And so we just agree with him, and we give up a, a little bit of time on, on every, the last Tuesday or the second to last Tuesday of each month, and we pray together. So you guys are invited to join us if you want to join in person. we got a prayer meeting at 6.30 a.m. and noon at what we call the church house. We'll give you some directions on that if you're interested, but stop by if you want to. And if you can't come or whatever, or if you want to eat all day, that's also fine. But just think about praying for our nation, praying for our church, praying for what God wants to do in Northwest Arkansas because we want to see his kingdom come and his will be done. You guys want to see that too? Amen. All right, guys. Well, I'm excited for this morning. We are going to continue our series that we titled Healthy. And what we're doing with this series is we are talking about different kind of stages and, and seasons of our life and about how we can walk in health in those seasons. All right. So uh, how many guys want to be a healthy individual? Raise your hand or nod or something. Okay, awesome. How many guys want to have healthy relationships? Yes, me too. As I think about that, I realize like, okay, I, we all want it, but I also remember we, we need helpful reminders. We need some encouragement. We need some challenge in order to make sure we're continuing on the path of health and of good fruit in our own personal life and also in our relationships. And also, we want to be healthy not in my own standards or my friend's standards or the world's standards. We want to be healthy according to God's standards. And so what we're doing through this series is we're looking at what does the Word of God say about these different seasons and stages of our life that produces health and good fruit. So last week, we talked about healthy singleness. Where are the singles at? Anybody who's not married? Yeah, let's go. Come on. Let's go, singles. It was great. It was a great. I think my first message on singleness and I did a great job. It was awesome and really fruitful, and I heard a lot of good feedback. And um, we got some time. We had a, on Tuesday night, we got um, time with some of the singles of our church. We talked a little bit about just kind of a follow-up for the message on Sunday, but also talked about a healthy dating culture. And it was just a, a sweet, sweet time. And so for those that were there and just for every person in our church that's not married, just, again, I said it last week, but man, your presence in our church, literally you make up over 50% of our church body, is just so rich and it's so valuable and your perspective matters and you're such a valuable contributor in our church body. And so we so appreciate you guys. But this, uh, this Sunday, we're going to talk about healthy marriage, which I'm pumped and excited about. You're not going to hear just from me. I'm going to invite in just a minute my lovely wife up here, Beth. She's going to join me. And she loves when I just, you know, give her the opportunity and the privilege to talk on microphones. She loves it. But it's going to be good. We're going to talk about healthy marriage. But let me give you a, a little quick intro, kind of lay a foundation about marriage for a second. I've got a slide up here that kind of lists out some passages and some scriptures on marriage. And I would encourage you guys, if you can see it, you're welcome to jot those down if you want. Take a picture real quick. Because literally what I did uh, last week, I just spent time, what does the Bible actually say about marriage? And I... I think I literally found every passage right there in the Bible on marriage. I did the search for you. I might have missed two or three, but those are the main passages about marriage in the Bible. And again, we want to hear God's 
idea, God's wisdom, God's instructions about what marriage is supposed to be like. And so I would encourage us, as we're thinking about a specific topic, let's say marriage, let's start with what does the Bible say, then use that as a filter to look at different examples, look at what the culture says, because we want to line up with what God says about marriage, all right? I'm going to go through some of those today, but just want to give you the references that you can go check me on and look up later. But here's, here's how I want to start. Whose idea was marriage? It was God's idea. And because that's God's idea, here's what that means. It's a good idea. Does God ever have bad ideas? Say it confidently. Does God have bad ideas? No, he's so good. He's so wise. He's so smart. He's so creative. Every idea that he has is good, and it's right, and it's rich, and it's like to be dug into, and you're going to find more and more amazing fruit and glory in it. And so it's God's idea, and it's so it's therefore it's good. In fact, I found this proverb, Proverbs uh, 18.22, if you can put that up there. Um, it's, it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Everybody say, good thing. And receives favor from the Lord. Listen, I love this verse so much. I literally put it on in our wedding. I don't know. We don't do this as much anymore. But we used to have like a bride's cake and then a groom's cake. I literally asked the, the baker to put that verse on my groom's cake. She like made it into like a Bible and wrote out that Proverbs 18.22. It was awesome. Then we just ate it, just ate the word of God. You know, just, yeah, this is delicious. I love scripture. <laughs> Sorry. But it's a good thing and receive favor from the Lord. But let me, let me take you in a little bit to where this all started, Genesis chapter 2. And I'm intentionally kind of setting the right framework so that as we talk about different details and ins and outs of marriage, I want us to have a framework that, man, this is God's idea, therefore it's good. And then also it means that he gets to define it, and it means he gets to set the boundaries of it. If that makes sense. Now, before I dive into Genesis 2, just want a little preface here. For those that are married, obviously, this will be really applicable to you guys. You can think about how does this apply to my marriage. For those of you that are not married, don't check out. I encourage you just to receive this. If you get married one day, the Lord's timing, then you can apply a lot of this stuff to your future marriage. And also, if you've been married for a while, then great. You can think about how can I invest in a younger generation with some wisdom there. Does that make sense? So here we go, Genesis chapter 2, this is where it all starts, verse 18, says, The Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Every man say, amen, amen. I will make a helper fit for him. So the Lord, let me just pause there for a second, in his creation, it's, he was so good to create Adam, but he's like, I'm going to make this even better. What I see here is the Lord's good and right and pure intentions. It leads to marriage. So he's good. He has great intentions, and he's looking to help. I'm going to skip down to verse 21. It says this, the Lord God caused a deep sleep. This is like how he did it, okay? He's going to cause it. He caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man on Adam, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed it up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So I just, this is awesome. And honestly, I don't have much to say other than this is just hilarious that God decided to do it this way. He gave Adam a big old fat nap. And from that nap, he created woman. So next time I take a, a nap, Beth, just be thankful. It's like where you came from. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> This is a silly way to think about why did he do that? I don't know. If you got deeper revelation than that, then tell me later. But here is verse 24, the purpose and what we see the Lord doing and bringing 
together, and then I'm going to read something that Jesus said that adds to it. Verse 24, Genesis 2, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And then my, my favorite verse out of all this, verse 25, And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Amen. Amen, amen. So here's what I want to say about marriage. It is the joining of one man and one woman under God to become one flesh, and that joining is supposed to last forever. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 9, 19, 6. He kind, of re, he kind of restates Genesis 2, and then he adds a little more to it. He says, so they no longer are two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And I'm, we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but a definition slash the purpose of marriage is the joining of one man and one woman under God in a covenant to become one that lasts forever. And that through that marriage, it is to reflect the amazing, close, glorious relationship that God desires to have with his people. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the purpose of marriage in a little bit. But before I just kind of pray the Lord would really help us understand this, just a couple other things I want to say about healthy marriage. Healthy marriage is not a sermon. So it's really, it's a journey. So it's going to be impossible for me in the next 30 minutes, for Beth and I, in the next 30 minutes, to give you the complete package on healthy marriage. But what, I, what we want to do is set us in the right direction to help us go in the right way so that we see health in our current marriages or future marriages. And also, as I was praying for this morning, I'm really believing that this will be also a time of healing, especially for those of you that have been through hard things related to marriage, a divorce, or you're, maybe you're... Your parents got divorced, or maybe you just had bad examples of marriages, and you haven't seen it done in a really healthy or joyful way. I feel like this, this morning, the Lord wants to bring healing. He wants to bring healing to our hearts and give us hope again that, man, when we do things his way, it can lead to a lot of breakthrough. So I'm believing and expecting for that this morning. So let's pray together, and I'm going to invite up Beth in just a minute. So Lord, just thank you again for your word. Thank you for this time. Thank you that marriage was your idea. And we agree with you. It is a great idea. And so, Lord, would you have your way this morning? Would you speak to us through your word? God, I pray that any of us in our hearts that need just healing and a fresh perspective and need hope today, would you, would you do it? Would you give it to us? And would you open our eyes to just who you say you are and what you say about marriage? In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite up Beth. Come join me up here. Give it up for Beth Welch. You can sit right over here. Save this seat for you. There we go. So good. I'm, you're just looking so good this morning. Let's go. All right. Hey, so if you got your Bible, turn to Song of Solomon. I'm going to give the, 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 the mic to Beth, and she's just going to preach for about five minutes, give us some highlights from Song of Solomon. Does that sound good? I'm just kidding. She's not going to read that book, okay? We're going to save that for another time. All right. If you got your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we will, listen guys, I'm not going to even mention that. I'll just say that for later, all right? Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to um, start there, and then me and Beth will kind of go, we'll kind of tag team it and talk about different things related to marriage, all right? Here we go, Ephesians 5, verse 22 through 33. You guys there? If you're there, say I'm there. If you're not there, it's all right, it's on the screen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was about to say that. Let's go. Here you go. You ready? It says this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Verse 33. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There you go. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. I wanted to read this passage in full because this seems to be the most clear and kind of in-depth passage about marriage in the Bible. And there's a lot of things that Bethel and I are going to kind of reference back to when we uh, talk about healthy marriage, okay? Now, but before, to make this easier about how we're going to kind of present this and organize this this morning, as I like to do, I created a nice cheesy acronym for us to help you follow along with what we're doing, okay? How many guys just love my cheesy acronyms all the time? I do it almost in every sermon. Thank you, Sam, that you appreciate it. I learned from all your dad jokes that, yeah, you can change something up. Okay, so uh, it'll be up here on the screen, but here, here's, here's the premise, all right? So in regards to getting married, you, you pay a price to have a healthy marriage, okay? So I'm going to work with the word price here, and we're going to talk about five different categories in regards to marriage, the purpose of marriage. We're going to talk about roles in marriage. We're going to talk about intimacy, conflict, and also be an example in your marriage. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. So you, if you want to write that down in your notes, that's great. Price. Pay a price. You pay that. I mean, practically, guys, if you want to get married, you got you to get some money to pay for a ring, and weddings aren't free, okay? But I'm talking more about the price of just selflessly laying your life down, all right, for a healthy marriage. Okay, so I'm going to pass it off to Beth. Why don't you tell us in your own words? We already looked at Ephesians 5 that talks about the purpose of marriage. Ultimately, in verse 32, it talks about being a mystery that refers to Christ and the church. And so first, I want to say that the purpose, ultimately, of marriage is for, through this relationship, a husband and wife, to be a reflection of the relationship between Christ and the church. It's an amazing honor and a weighty privilege to be able to be a representative to the earth about what it looks like. What is Jesus like towards his bride? How is the bride supposed to respect and honor um, the, uh, Jesus as the head. And through marriage, God wants to reflect that over and over again. So Beth, what do you say? As you talk about what you think the purpose of marriage is, I'm going to get another microphone. Go for it. Um, so when I was thinking about the answer to this question, the first thing that popped into my head was this phrase from this book called Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. And he says, what if the purpose of marriage is not to make us happy, but to make us holy? And I think sometimes when we think about marriage, we think about, like, what we get out of it. Like, it's to make me happy. It's to make me feel good. Like, the things that we, that are really selfish, honestly. Um, and so when that happens, a lot of times when things are hard, like you're going through conflict or it's just not looking like you want it to look, you feel, like, really discouraged. Or you could even feel like you want to get out of it because it, it feels hard, you know? Um but that's when we're, like, focusing on ourselves. But there's, like, so much more to marriage than just, like, what we 
can get out of it. And I think just like thinking about it as something as beyond ourselves, it's just like really powerful. And like if I, like if we're, you know, going through a conflict instead of being like discouraged or like frustrated at the process, I can think about like, okay, how is this like, like refining me? How am I being refined? How am I being pushed more towards Jesus? How am I looking more like Jesus? And like through the process of marriage, I mean, I can, we can, we would definitely both say both of us have been refined through being married. And (laughs) both of us, mainly me, but um, it's for sure both of us. But I think um, it's just like that holiness that comes from just living life with somebody who's different from you, you know? And so, um, yeah, that, so just, just redefining like what, what am I in it? What do I, what am I getting out of marriage? And it's not necessarily all for myself, but actually God wants to do something through our marriage that's bigger than just making us happy. This on? It's working? Yeah? Sweet. Okay, cool. So good. So hopefully you guys saw that. It's not necessarily about my happiness. You know, the stories in the, in the Disney movies that tell you it's all about happily ever after, it's a lie, okay? So it's about how do we honor Jesus with our lives and be more like him. And marriage is a part of that where it makes us holy and more like him, okay? And it also it alleviates a lot of missed expectations because if I'm going in marriage hoping that Beth meets all my needs and makes me feel satisfied and fulfilled all the time, then it's going to let me down when she doesn't. But if I know that actually Jesus is the only one that can meet all my needs and fulfill my desires, then it, it helps me respond better when we are having those struggles or whatever. So this defining the purpose sets us on the right path for fruitfulness. But I will say, sometimes we're happy in our marriage, yeah? Would you say more than sometimes or just, you know, 1% of the time? Most of the time. Yes. All right. So I like to say it's, it's happy holiness. All right. It's not begrudging holiness. It's happy holiness. We're joyful about it. Okay. It's for the spirit is joy, but it, we are getting sharpened and we are growing again, mainly me. We do really like each other. Just in case you're wondering. That's right. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Culture sake. I'm just kidding. No, we're good. All right. Let's talk about the R there. So again, purpose is great to define it. And it just takes some time to reflect and think about this and to keep going back to the purpose. Let's talk about roles for a little bit. So Ephesians 5, if you remember kind of some of the things we read, it really clearly defines some roles. But let me say something before we talk about those. It's really clear all throughout Scripture that a husband and a wife or a man and a woman are of completely the same equal value and worth before God. Nod your head if you are understanding what I'm saying. We have totally the same value, totally the same worth. We're made in the image of God. But the Bible seems to be clear that we have distinct and different roles. In fact, at every verse that you're going to see today about these instructions, these commands to husbands and wives, like it seems to be that he says something specific to husbands and something different but specific to wives. And that's important for us to note so that we can operate in the God-given role that he designed us to operate in. So for the wife, Beth, I want you to comment on this. The most consistent biblical command for wives in regards to marriage is to submit to their husband. So I want you to answer, what does that mean to you? And what does that look like in our marriage? Um, so the definition that I thought about is that when you submit to your husband, you're actually choosing to trust him. You're choosing to come up under his like covering and authority and tr- say, like, I trust you. I trust that you're leading our family in the way that God is asking you to and leading us towards, like, his kingdom and holiness. And it's, like, my joy to get to say, I'm going to, like, 
follow you and trust you and respect you and believe in you and, and like, just say yes to what you're asking. Um, and so, you know, it can be, like, little things. Like, it's not just, like, all big decisions. It can be little things, but it can also be bigger decisions. One example that we thought about was r- really early on in our marriage, um, we were asked to be a part of leading the youth ministry at our church. And we were both praying about it, and I felt like we should do it, and he felt like we shouldn't do it. And so it was one, one of the things about submitting is just it's not like he says, something in I do it it's like it's a it's a conversation like we're partners we're talking through things we're praying we're both praying we're both asking God we're both like okay this is what I feel and this is why and we like go back and forth in this like partnership conversation but at the end of the day we had to make a decision you know we had to say yes or no and we like couldn't get to the same place um and so at the end of the day I I decided okay I'm going to, like, trust you as my husband. And so we went with what he, like, felt like God was saying, which was, no, we shouldn't do it, which may not feel, it may, you know, there's all different emotions with that. But what's really cool about that story is that it, not that long afterwards, we were then asked to be a part of helping lead the college ministry, which is where, in a lot of ways, God, like, taught us and prepared us and led us even to be here today. And so, I mean, I, I, I want, like, wonder what would have happened, like, if we would even be here today, if we, like, you know, hadn't, like, chosen to, like, go with that leading. But it's just, just a little example of, like, how God used me choosing to, like, trust my husband in that situation um, and submit to him. All right. Let's go. Uh, but... What what advice would you give to newly married woman about this topic of submit to us? Again, it can feel like heavy, but it doesn't sound like the way you're describing it. It has to be that way. But what advice would you give to a newly married wife about this topic? Um, Just don't choose bitterness. You know, like choose to like find joy and like just um, like out of, it's not about like you not having a voice. It's not about you like, losing yourself but it's it's about this like joy of like partnering with somebody to like go after the same thing together and that it's like fun and it's worth it awesome okay husbands i'm gonna talk to you for a little bit so the clearest and consistent command that you're gonna see a lot in regards to husbands in the bible is it simply says husbands love your wives everybody say love husbands love your wives if you're wondering how listen let me give you a little tip pro tip Give them a hug often. Everybody say hug. Say hug. Now, again, because I'm so kind, I made another cheesy acronym for you with the word hug, okay? So here, uh, listen, and here, here it is. It's going to be on the screen. This is really awesome. I think this is so creative, but really, it's true. You want to love your wives well? Give them a hug. And here's what Scripture says. One, do not be harsh with your wives. Live with them with understanding and continually give yourself up. Let me break those down for a second. Here's the references. Colossians 3.19 it says, really bl- bluntly, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. A couple comments on this. It matters how you speak to your wife. I said this a few weeks ago, but I've, I've saved us and avoided um, plenty of conflict by not saying to Beth something I wanted to say in the first way I thought to say it. That, that was, let me say that again because that was pretty good. 
I saved us a lot of tension and conflict by not saying something the, the way I first thought I should say it. Okay, so when she's talking, and I, I know pretty quickly when I disagree with what she's saying, and when I stop myself and I think of a way to say it nicer, it usually helps a lot. And it's actually me obeying the word of God. Okay? And also, I learned a few tricks. You know, if you've immediately got a correction, turn your correction into a question. And it, it works. You know, just like instead of saying, I don't think that's good, you can say, um, hey, so Doug, do you think there's another way to think about that? It just lands a lot better. Now, now I know my tricks, and I have to come up with some new ones. But anyways, uh, but it usually helps us have dialogue and conversation. Now, the second one, this one is intense. Live with understanding. Here's what 1 Peter 3 says about this. So listen up, men and husbands and future husbands. Listen to what this says. It says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And then look at this. So that... Your prayers may not be hindered. Here's the deal, guys. There is not a verse in the Bible that talks about wives ever having their prayers hindered. But to husbands, it does. Why? I don't know. But if you're wondering, man, man, my wife just prays all the time. She gets all of her prayers answers. What about me? I got an idea. Try to do this and live with greater understanding and see what happens. You know why I think it's instructed for husbands to live with understanding is because sometimes our wives are hard to understand. <laughs> okay, It might be a generalized statement, but it's true that sometimes, um, you know, hus- wait, men, usually we mean what we say. Like I just said, yes, that's what I mean. But sometimes that's not, that's not always reciprocated. What they say is not exactly what they mean sometimes. I know you're smirking at me. But listen, we need to let those muscles be stretched. And what this means is, husbands, you're going to need to listen more than you think you need to listen. You need to stop talking more than you think you need to stop. You just need to open your ear more than your mouth. That's how you can live with understanding. You tracking with me? I, and I'm, I'm with you in the fight. It's, it's hard, but I don't want your prayers to be uh, hindered. And mine either. Hey, look at this last one. We already read this verse, Ephesians 5.25, about just giving ourselves up. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Continuing to choose, husbands, to give up your own right to be right. Continuing to serve and go out of your way to do things that might feel inconvenient, but it's a way to serve. It's always worth it every time, and this is a way for us to love our wives. Now, let me give you a, a silly example from, I think it was maybe two Fridays ago. You don't know what I'm going to say, but I think you'll remember this story pretty vividly. So two Fridays ago, um, I have all four kiddos, and I'm letting Beth do a little workout by herself, and we are hanging out at a little smoothie shop not too far from where she works out. And when we're done, we're about to go together as a family to uh, go see somebody. And she calls me when she's done working out. I'm like, hey, we're just right across the street. Just jog over there. Kind of do a little extra post-workout, you know, get a little, you know, two- or three-minute jog and come see us. A couple seconds later, she calls me back and says, hey, um, there's no crosswalk across this street. And so, you know, I think, well, it might not have the white lines, but it's, it's concrete. And you can just go ahead and step across this. It'll take you approximately three seconds to just jog when you look, you know, left and right, just like your parents taught you. And you just go ahead, and that'll save me from loading up all four of the children and driving over there. And you probably will beat me by the time I pack up the kids. And so I, um, 
unfortunately didn't respond very well. And I said, just, just walk across. Well, I didn't say it that way. Please walk across the street. You know, whatever, however I said it. You can tell them later how I said it. Um, and uh, anyways, I decided, thankfully, that I was going to just give myself up. But I didn't have a great attitude about it. And uh, I said, okay, I'll come get you, sweetie. Uh, and then we, we come and we pick her up. And I'm just like frustrated and grumpy. Why? I don't know. Because I think that you could just cross the street. But, you know, it wasn't too long after that. The Lord just really corrected me. And, you know, he gave me this other crazy idea. You ready? I could have responded like this. Oh, sure, I'll come pick you up. No big deal. And that would have saved me a lot of conflict and problems and my own sin and hurt, uh, hurting her heart. So it's a silly example, but it's, it's one where I'm just like, man, if I can just live with understanding, if I can be gracious with my word, if I can give up my own inconveniences sometimes to serve her, then I am fulfilling what the Bible says about how husbands can love their wives. You tracking with me here? I know it's a, it's a tall challenge, but it's so worth it to all the men just to live with understanding, to not be harsh, to be gentle and kind, and also to give ourselves up to our wives. All right, let's keep going here. We talked about purpose. We talked about roles. Now let's talk about intimacy, all right? Now, I, um, I don't just mean sex, but I'm going to talk about that in just a second here. Uh, but I also want you to think, like, connection, okay? I want you to think of, like, connecting in an emotional way, eye-to-eye, going on dates, that type of intimacy here. But let me give you a few comments here on the topic of sex because the reality is, like, in order to have a healthy marriage, this needs to be part of it. And, again, this is one of those things where just like marriage was God's idea, so is sex. And so, therefore, it's good if it is done God's way. Everybody say God's way. When we do things God's way, it is honoring to him. It is pleasing to him. It is glorious to him. And the only way that he has blessed this is through the covenant and the context of marriage. And so, in fact, let me (laughs) say this. uh, 1 Corinthians 7 not only talks about marriage and sex, but it seems to hint that married couples should do it often. Let me read this to you. Ready? It's just the word of God. That's all. I'm just giving you the Bible, okay? I think you feel uncomfortable, but that's okay. It's the Bible. 1 Corinthians 7.25. It's literally the context of this is marriage and sex. It says, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay, it gets pretty serious at the end there, so we need to not ignore that. It's like, hey, we need to make sure that we're not tempted by the enemy into lust and to impurities. But he seems to say, if you're going to deprive one another, do it for just a limited time, which surely he just meant a couple hours. But maybe it's a couple days, maybe it's a week, I don't know exactly what he meant there, but it's short, okay? Now, I will, let me say a few things to some of the married couples that have a lot of kids, or maybe you just had a baby in different seasons of life. It's sometimes hard for this area of sex to be consistent, and so we get that. We understand that, and our encouragement, what we've seen a lot of good fruit in, is just communicate together about an expectation of how frequently, and it can really save a lot of conflict. Now, newlyweds, if you don't have any kids, there's pretty much nothing else you should be doing with your time. So just go ahead, do it a lot, and enjoy it. It's good. All right, Beth, what do you think about sex? I'm just kidding. Don't answer that question. Uh, Tell us about connection. Connection emotionally. Why is it important for us to connect on an emotional heart level as a husband and wife? Why is that important to you? Um, so I think about the word unity. So 
I just think that it's really hard to be unified if you're not like actually connecting with each other. Um, and so we want to be like we're we're one flesh. We, we're on the same team. We want to be unified. We want to be running after the same thing, like and 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 so we need to like have those conversations together. You know, we're we're different, and so we have to like work things out. But it's just like it's really I think important for us to be unified, and so we have to put time into that in order for that to happen. Awesome. Do you still like going on dates? I love dates. <laughs> All right. Tell us about that. What? What good fruit have you seen from us deciding early on to make dates consistent? What good fruit have you seen from that? Well, first of all, we can have more than a two-second long conversation. <laughs> uh, we have four little kids, so it's pretty much impossible to have any sort of actual conversation unless they're all somewhere else um, and, or late at night when we're tired. Um, but so dates for us have been really special. It's just a time for us to, like, process through, okay, like, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what is on my heart. This is what God is teaching me. These are the hard things that I'm going through. And so it allows us to, like, know what the other person is, like, thinking, feeling, and in that way, how we can support them, how we can love them, how we can pray for each other. Um, It also, like, um, just helps us um, just, like, just feel like we're in each other's worlds, like helps us know each other more deeply. Um, And it's just been really powerful and really important. And so I just encourage everybody to make it a priority. Um, And I think that in a lot of ways, it's what has helped our marriage be as strong as it is because we make it a priority every week to have that time together, whatever it looks like. And so... And we're really thankful for anybody who babysits for us. <laughs> it's true. Yes, yes. So, so true. And do we do you feel it or do we feel it when we don't get that time to participate in that relationship? We definitely feel it. We f- I feel like we kind of butt heads a lot more. Um, yeah. And we feel distance from each other. And um, I don't like that feeling. I want to be feel connected and unified with my husband. It's awesome. So, again, just take, take, if you're married right now, take these little notes. If you're not married yet, these are just good little mental notes to take of when you are in that stage that you just continue to pursue your spouse even after you get married, not just during dating season. And to wrap up this, I want to, like, give a challenge to all the married folks in here to, like, within the next two weeks, guys, let's, like, every married couple go on at least one date in the next two weeks. Can we do that? We might, young adults, we might need your help. If some of us have kiddos, we might need some help. But um, I just, it matters so much that husbands and wives are connecting while the kids are not running around. If you've got kiddos, where you can actually talk about different things going on in your life. And just to have fun together. It's not going to have to be serious every time, but to just have a blast and enjoy each other. And, in fact, I'm going to give you uh, something that I think will be helpful, especially for the husbands. This, I'm gonna, I, I typed out a few helpful questions to talk about when you are having a time of connection or a date or when you're speaking with your spouse. You literally can take a picture of this. I've got a couple questions on here. That I'm calling kind of like connection questions here. Now, again, remember, these are, these are, some of these are lighthearted. Some of these are, are um, serious, but just some ideas of questions to ask. Take a picture of this if you want to uh, so that you can really understand, like, hey, it matters that we actually talk about it. So one of them is, hey, what's been encouraging you or discouraging you lately? Um, this one is encouraging. What's an example of something I've done lately that has blessed you? You can skip number three if you're feeling insecure, but if you're feeling bold, you can ask this one. Is there anything I've done to offend you lately? Okay, It's just a helpful question to ask. I might as well know how I'm offending her and work on it and change 
And here's another, another tip, husbands. If you ask this question and she gives an answer, don't say anything except for, okay, thanks for sharing. Don't defend yourself. Don't try to explain yourself. Just listen to how you're hurting her and just try to understand. Try to learn. Live with understanding so your prayers aren't hindered. Okay. How is your time? Hey, here's another. These last two uh, is, you know, the, the source of our relationship is not just found in each other. God, our relationship with God is central to our relationship with each other. And so I always encourage folks, like, make sure he is involved in your relationship by asking questions like that fourth one. Hey, how's your time with God going? Anything God's teaching you? Anything he's speaking to you? And then last one, what do you want me to be consistently praying over you? Such a simple question that it's, like, sometimes easy to forget that, oh, yeah, I pray for people, but I also definitely want to pray for my spouse. So there you go. Hopefully some helpful questions uh, next date you guys go on. You guys receive that challenge too, right? Go on a date in the next two weeks. I'll watch, we'll watch your kids. We've got a lot, but we'll watch your kids. But we just let's, let's be intentional with each other as married couples. All right, last two, conflict and example. Okay, Beth, why don't you uh, tell us about just the area of conflict in marriage. It's a, health, it's a part of a healthy marriage. In fact, here, here's the deal, guys. Here's the truth. You will have conflict in any relationship that you're close with. You guys know that? We talked a little bit about it last week, but we're going to have it. We're going to get hurt. We're going to hurt each other. But tell us a little bit about your journey, Beth, through this topic of handling conflict and what are some things you've learned. I don't really like conflict. Um, so it was actually pretty challenging for, for me personally um, on the front end. I kind of like we would, you know, have a an, an disagreement about something and I would just shut down. And I didn't really want to talk about it. Um, it kind of, how I grew up, you just, just kind of step it, go by yourself, and then kind of forget that it existed. Um, and so I tried that, but that doesn't really work in, in a marriage. It's um, not healthy. It's not. Um, and so I just had to learn basically how to, I think the biggest thing for me was I had to learn how to have those conversations and how to, like, not be um, so weighted down by them, like destroyed by conflict, but actually realize that it's healthy and it's good. And I had to learn how to actually express what I was thinking. So a lot of times I had a lot going on in my head, but I wouldn't share with him. And he's just like, uh, is there, you want to say anything? And I'm just like staring out the window, literally completely silent. Um, and so I had to really grow in like learning, okay, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. And like for us to be able to talk it out. And that was what was healthy. He was like, he's the opposite. He's kind of like, we are getting to the bottom of this right now. Um, and so we just had to like learn how to have those conflicts. He had to learn how to kind of back off and give me a little bit of space to process through things. But I had to learn how to talk it out with him. And it's been, it's, it's always fruitful to talk it out and, and to land in a healthy place. And so, but it was a journey for me, for sure. Hey, she's come a long way. And I think I've grown a little bit too, right? I still do this thing when I'm like serious about something. Hey, we need to talk about this. Uh, but this karate chop, just can't get rid of that karate chop. But whatever, it's cutting off lies or strongholds or whatever, but I just want to stop doing that. Anyway, so let's talk about kind of foundational value. Okay, talk about humility for a little bit. You know, my, my encouragement to every married couple, or really any human on the planet, if you want the grace and favor of God over your life, learn to embrace a spirit of humility. There's a lot of different ways you can define humility, but it's just acknowledging your need for God and your need for others and acknowledging that you're not always right, that you do need help and growth. 
if you embrace a spirit of humility in regards to this topic of conflict, it will spare you a lot of pain, unnecessary pain, if you just humble yourself, learn to listen, and let someone um, speak into your life. So any comments on just humility and what, how has that affected our relationship, and especially how do we resolve in conflict? It's been huge. So I'm kind of the one that likes to hold on to the frustrations, but he, Mitchell's really good about just like humbling himself and being the first to say that he's sorry. And what it's done in my heart is it's like broken down the walls. Like when he is like, I'm so sorry, it like breaks me down and I like, like also want to apologize and kind of like, like a reach of a better place. And so humility is just huge. And honestly, I think it's one of the primary reasons that our conflict resolution is healthy most of the time. Um, but I, um, what were you saying? Oh, yeah, just, well, let me make a quick comment on that. So sh- she has encouraged me for years, like, you're so good at, like, humbling yourself and repenting. Then it hit me just, like, not too long ago. It means that I sin a lot. That's why I repent a lot, because I sin a lot. Is this encouraging? I don't know. But thank you, I guess. Uh, what are you going to add to that? Uh, the, something that I've also learned over the years and something that, characterizes our conflict resolution is I think for a long time if I felt like I was the one that was more wronged I would like just sit there and I'm like well he needs to apologize because he did the most wrong and I what I was doing was I was failing to actually take ownership for what I was doing wrong and so we've kind of landed with probably in every conflict we're both doing something wrong it could be as simple as my response or my tone or something. And so it's just, like, been helpful for us to both, like, own up for the piece that we are doing wrong, if that makes sense. So it's, like, even if mine is just, like, 2% of the problem, I'm going to own that 2% of the problem. It's usually more than 2%, just so you know. Yeah, that's um, about, I got about 98. <laughs> but um, if, if it is, it's, like, I'm going to own up for that 2% that I did wrong, and I'm going to apologize for it even if I feel like I'm more wronged or more hurt, like he, he did more wrong than me. But it doesn't really matter because I still sinned and did wrong towards him, and so I'm going to apologize for that. Okay. And what are some things that help you show me grace when I mess up? Um, it's helpful for me to realize that he's different from me. Um, he's Just not gonna a little re- bit. Yeah, we're very different. He's not going to respond or think the same way as me, and so that is helpful. Another thing that I think is really huge is for us to believe the best about each other. So if I'm going to believe the best about him, it's going to help me give him the benefit of the doubt. So I'm not going to, like, like if he responds or does something that's hurtful, I could have two different lenses. I could feel like he's, like, out to get me, or I could feel like, um, you know, maybe he's having a bad day, and this isn't who he is, but this is, like, just how he's responding. And I think that lens and how I, I picture it makes a big deal because it's either I build up this bitterness in my heart or I give him grace. And I'm like, um, I forgive you, and we can move on. And I'm not going to – something that we – I've had to also learn is um, a, there was a, a season where I would basically put this identity over him. So if he would maybe do something often, I would – kind of say, well, that's that's how you're going to respond. That's who you are. And I realize that that's not okay for me to do that because that's not who he is. And if I had that lens, if I put that identity over him, it just built this wall between us. 
And so I had to just, like, realize that I couldn't basically build up a fence after a fence after a fence to where it made me think that he was or would act a certain way, but to, like, fully forgive him and then, like, shut that door and move forward, believing the best about him that he would not respond that way next time. And I think that that has, like, really, really helped us to give each other grace. Amen. So good. And hopefully as you guys are listening to this, especially for those that are not married right now, all these characteristics, humility, forgiveness, um, repenting, believing the best, like these are what you learn right now. This is for every believer. This is the, the call of God to have healthy relationships. And so learning in this season right now, whatever season you're in, it's, it's always the time to like learn how to forgive, learn how to show people grace, learn how to be merciful, learn how to be gentle and learn how to not to build up a case against someone because they do something wrong to you. And, like, this is, these are these values of the kingdom of God, is one way to say it, will spare us from a lot of tension. And it will bleed into your marriage and can lead to a really healthy and fruitful marriage. So hopefully this is making sense. Okay, so last um, kind of category, we talked about the purpose of marriage, roles in marriage, talked about intimacy, conflict. But the last one is just, like, uh, marriage as an example, being an example to, uh, to others. And let me just, I mean, I just want to, like, just sow seeds of hope to us and just kind of give some insight into what, what is going on in this generation. So to, to the married folks, here's my encouragement. Like this generation is longing to see healthy marriages. They're longing to see a husband love and lay his life down for his wife and longing to see a wife respect, submit to, honor, and treat their husband well, speak honoring words about him all the time. They're, they're longing to see joy in a marriage. That is not the primary picture. If you put line up all the marriages of the earth, it, that's not what people are seeing. There's this underlying belief system that this is actually this thing called marriage is bad, and I'm more free if I don't. But here's what people are actually longing for. Is it possible for marriage to be healthy? Is it possible for two people to be in a covenant and really enjoy each other and like being married? Is it possible? And so to the married folks, like ask God for grace for your marriage to be an example that shines brightly in this generation. And think about think about the young adults in this room and in our church. Think about the younger married couples. Think about your children. Like, by us choosing to do things the Lord's way, we are literally paving the way for a generation to see, like, there is hope in this category called marriage. For singles, I want to say to you, like, hey, taking all this in, some of you, maybe it's your first real conversation or, or, or message to hear a married couple talk about marriage, like you guys taking it in seriously, thinking about these things, thinking about these scriptures, like it will dramatically affect your future marriage. I remember as a single listening to talks like this and like, okay, it doesn't really apply now, but man, I want to be an amazing husband one day. And those little responses, those little prayers of God help me and Lord restore what I saw in the brokenness of maybe my parents' marriage or somebody else's marriage or this thing. God, restore those things. I don't want lies to be in my mind about what marriage can be like. So it really matters now what you take in because it's going to affect you the rest of your life. So, Beth, why don't you kind of close it up here. Any thoughts um, about an example or any other parting words? And the band can go ahead and come on up. We're about to close things out. But give us some kind of final parting words that you want to share with everybody this morning about healthy marriage. Mitchell just took all my parting words. Oh. <laughs> um, no, I um, I just really do feel so significantly on my heart this morning that the Lord wants to restore hope that it is possible to have a really joy-filled, healthy, thriving marriage. Like I just I just encourage you to like if if you don't really think that that's possible, whether you're in a marriage that feels hard or you 
are single, it's just like, it's possible. It is possible. And I want you, I just encourage you to like converse with God about like, why do I think that it's not possible? And to, to second what he said, like, I really believe there was a season in my life in college where I felt like God was like speaking a lot and churning a lot inside of me about marriage and preparing my heart. And it just, I, I really believe that season of just like running hard after Jesus and allowing him to mold and shape my heart laid the groundwork so that when I did meet Mitchell, when we did start dating later, when we did get married, my heart had already had a firm foundation, one that I was secure and whole in Jesus first, and that he was teaching me, like, how to interact with people. And, of course, it's a journey, and it's a lot over the way, or like, along the way. But it's like, you know, why wouldn't I want to get a head start on that, you know, if I um, can? And so I just encourage everybody who's not married to, like, ask God to, like, restore hope in your heart that it's possible and to ask him to start like working out those things so that when or if that time does come for you, you will already have like a, a tilled up ground for that to be able to take place easier. And then for the marriages, I just, I don't, you know, I don't know where you are or what you're feeling, but if you are married and you feel like your marriage is like not like healthy and thriving, like I just encourage you to like pray like, seek God, run after him, seek his word for what does it look like, how do you, even just like any, even though Mitchell listed the, the scriptures for a marriage, there's so many scriptures about one another, I don't know if you've heard of like the one another scriptures, but essentially like how you deal with another person, like how you interact with them, even those are like, I mean, if you really do those things, then you'll have it will help your marriage. And to seek out help, find healthy marriages and just ask them, like, what is it that you do? And just have conversations with them. And you can learn a lot by walking with people that are happy.